And as we turn to Daniel number four, I really enjoy that song they just sang. I love that song. It's a wonderful song, and it's a great reminder when you don't feel like you've been blessed. It's a good thing to sing that song and remind yourself of just how much. The song then our hymnal, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One. You know, we're talking in Daniel chapter number four. We're going to be looking at the subject of pride. Probably nobody has that problem, but for some reason the Lord gave it to me to preach on today. Somebody said that proud people are seldom thankful people because they never seem to get enough as they deserve. They never get as much as they deserve. If you have a problem with thanksgiving, it's probably because you have a pride problem. Pride is uh, is the result is the um, root cause of many of our issues and our sin problems in our life. Uh, the Bible says the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. In Daniel chapter 4, it's a story of a man who lived a very unique life. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. He also had a unique name. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, unto all people, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. So these are Nebuchadnezzar's words. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid and the thoughts upon my head and the visions upon my head troubled me. Where, thereof I made a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, and I told the dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation. But at the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, little g, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him I told the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret troubleth thee. Tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen, and, all, and the interpretation thereof. Thus were the visions of mine head in my bed. I saw, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof, and to the end of all the earth. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all. The beasts of the field had shadow under it. The fowls of the heaven dwelt in the boughs thereof, and all the flesh was fed of it. I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and a holy one came down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Hew down the tree and cut off his branches. Shake off his leaves and scatter his fruit, lest the beasts get away from under it and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth even with a band of iron and brass and the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. And let his heart be changed from a man's, and let a beast's heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. He setteth up over it the basis of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof. For as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation, but thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour. And his thoughts troubled him. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. 
Belshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. The tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto the heaven, and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. It is thou, O king, thou art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown and reached unto the heaven, and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas the king saw a watcher and an holy one coming down from heaven, and saying, Hew, thee, hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdoms of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, after that thou shalt know have known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable in thy, unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of the tranquility. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. Let's pray. We'll go on. Lord, we thank you for opportunity to open the word together and to preach freely about it. Help us to hear from you and not just my mouth or my mind, but that it would be your word and your spirit of God leading us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. King Nebuchadnezzar lived a very unique life. He lived in a place called Babylon. Babylon was his own kingdom that he had built up and made huge and established. There are some things about Babylon that you can read about, such as the fact that it was 60 miles in circumference, and it was huge in that the walls of the city of Babylon were 300 feet tall and I think 80 feet thick. Two teams of chariots with four horses on each chariot could ride the top of the wall like on a highway and pass each other without slowing down. That's how thick the walls were and they were 300 feet high. To help you put that in perspective, Rapid City Hospital is 125 feet high. The walls of this city was 300 feet high. Can you imagine the sight that must have been? Can you imagine the slave labor to build those walls? Not only that, but the river Euphrates flowed right through the center underneath the walls, through the center of the city and out the other side. So continual of running water. You've heard of the seven wonders of the world. One of the seven wonders of the world is the hanging gardens of Babylon that Nebuchadnezzar's and his people had made. Nebuchadnezzar was the man. He was the world ruler. He had conquered everyone everywhere, and he was it. He was the tree that he dreamed about, and this huge tree that reached to the ends of the earth, and all the fowls lodged in his branches, and he was it. That was God's grace in Nebuchadnezzar's life to allow him to have such wealth and such power and such authority and such blessing. But Nebuchadnezzar ignored God. 
And if you look back in chapter 3 at the very end, you'll see that he, he, he knew who God was, but he still ignored him. Apologize for blowing my nose in the micro, microphone, but I'm blessed with a cold again. At the end of chapter 3, it says in verse 29, Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, language, or speak Anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut, off, cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no God that can deliver after this sort. So Nebuchadnezzar knew about the true God, and notice it was capitalized G there in chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar knew that, that the Hebrew God, the God of Daniel, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, was the true God. But apparently Nebuchadnezzar had not submitted to God himself. He just recognized that Daniel knew the true God. That's why when he had this dream, he went to Daniel and asked Daniel to interpret for him. Nebuchadnezzar was like a lot of people, respectful of the true God, but not necessarily a believer and a born-again Christian. Just because you're a respecter of God doesn't mean you know him. And let me tell you something about our God. He knows that about everybody. He knows those who are his. And here's something that God will do for you that you don't want him to do. God will break you. God will break you if that's what will, will get you to turn to him. He will break you. Nobody in here wants that. Even I don't want to be broken. That hurts. But when you read about this tree and you read about how that heaven said, hew it down, chop it down. Chop it down. It sounds impossible. How could that possibly be? This is the kingdom, the power of the world. The wall itself was so thick and high. How could anyone destroy Nebuchadnezzar? But notice <clears throat> the king's pride. We see God's lenient grace in, Dan in, in Nebuchadnezzar's life. And we were reminded of this this weekend as we were going to these meetings in Sturgis, but, you know, we just need to stop and realize how good God has already been to us. I, I, want, I want you to, to hear me. I mean this, even though I don't always think it. I don't deserve one more blessing. This guy right here doesn't deserve one more positive good thing. I've already had more than I deserve. I can count the blessings. I can look back at all how good God is. And if you think it's lousy in the present, maybe you just need to step back and turn around and say, wow, remember all that that happened and remember that that happened? I mean, when, when I told you that Billy Bob got bit by a black widow spider, there were several people in here that were gasping. That just sounds terrible. It reminded me of our son Joshua who got bit by a black widow spider. And it was awful for us too. But God was there, and God is good, and God is merciful and gracious. In our case, our son had a stroke six months before he had the black widow spider bite. And I thought, well, maybe the Lord was just checking out all the circuitry to make sure it's working right. Now, I will say this. You know how Joshua turned out, so there, there could be some concern for Billy Bob. <laughs> but anyway, God's good to us. We are blessed, and I don't deserve any, anything else. But here's what happens, and 
nobody in here, as far as I know, nobody in here owns a city with walls 300 feet high. None of you have a Babylon quite like that, but all of us have a Babylon in our own life. We all got something we're proud of. We all got something that we think we did. And if, if a president tells you you didn't do that, the government did it, they're wrong. But if a preacher tells you you didn't do that, God did it, they're right. All right? And we need to understand that God did that. And we need to ask God for his, his grace and mercy in our lives rather than asking him for some other thing, another toy, another thing that we deserve. We don't deserve anything. But notice the king's pride, verse 29 of chapter 4. In verse 29 of chapter 4, at the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of, king of, of the kingdom of Babylon. And verse 30 says, the king spake and said, is not this great Babylon? that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. Now notice something. Twelve months had gone by. It wasn't like the next morning this happened. And probably the next morning, Nebuchadnezzar thought, oh, I need to be careful. If that that dream is true and if that interpretation is true, I'm in trouble. But after twelve months, it's kind of like it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, the people of this world after the flood of Noah's day, eventually, <laughs> what's the big deal? Yeah, there was a flood that happened a long time ago, but that was a long time ago, and obviously things are going pretty smooth now, and we tend to forget God is still God. And pretty soon, if we're not careful, we'll start thinking that we're God. Someone said pride seeks to ungod God. That's what pride does. And, and if you have accomplished anything and you start to think of yourself as something, you can become like Nebuchadnezzar. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if I had been there, I'd probably be proud too. I mean, if I'm, I don't know where Nebuchadnezzar was when he started to say this to himself, but I would imagine he might have had a, maybe a personal walkway along the top of the wall and looked down and saw the hanging gardens and all of his subjects working in the garden and, and then saw the flowing uh, the flowing river of Euphrates going right through and feeding the whole countryside and, and then seeing everything that he had built and everything that he had engineered and he had orchestrated and, and about that time the two chariots of horses come flying by and wow, wow, people would be impressed with me. And I'm sure, I'm just sure there were probably plenty of people all around him that said things like, Oh, great King Nebuchadnezzar, there is no one like you. And there is no one who has done what you've done. And there is no one who has what you have. I'm sure there was all that going on too. And somewhere in there, he said, maybe even he, he thought about Daniel and thought, you know, that Daniel's a good guy. But he got it wrong on this one. I mean, look, is not this the great Babylon that I have built? I mean, there is no one greater than me. There is no one that's more blessed than I am. I mean, some people just have it. <laughs> some people don't. The, the Bible says, what do you have that you didn't receive? What do you have that you didn't receive? I was thinking about blowing my nose this morning. I'm just thankful that my nose points down. It's a lot easier to blow my nose since it's pointing downward than upward. 
I know some people that didn't get a very good nose. It just points straight out. That's pretty sad. Look, my nose came from God. And I'm glad it works. Right now it's filling up more than I want it to, but I'm glad it works. There's just so many things we don't give thanks to the Lord for. We wait till a holiday and we eat a bunch of food and watch football and say thank you. And that's about all we do. That's not how it should be. Pride seeks to un-God God. Psalm 10 verse 4 says, God, concerning the wicked, God is not in all his thoughts. And you can see what happens when God is not in the thoughts of people. They just start to have a different God, and it's usually themselves. The Bible says, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Not just say that you do it to the glory of God, but whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Can you go without getting the credit for it? One of my favorite presidents in my lifetime said, there is no limit to what someone can do if they don't care who gets the credit. If you have to have the credit, let's stop and realize, well, but I did deserve the credit. Hold on a second. But who gave you the ability? The king's pride And now notice that the king's destruction, Nebuchadnezzar's destruction. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, verse 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall from the king of the world to insane. Verse 31 says, while the word was yet in his mouth, the bragging of himself While the word was yet in his mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar and he was driven from men and he ate grass as oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. This is very weird. But God allowed him to almost become just an animal. To be destroyed, humanly speaking, and to be... and and. The people, I'm sure, were horrified. They, they practically worshipped this man. I'm sure he was a god to them. And now their god is now a wild, crazy beast that's eating grass like an animal and just crawling around in the, in the field and, 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 and just living an animalistic life and how horrified they must have been. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse number 2 I quoted the others. Let me read this. Proverbs 11 and verse 2 says, When pride cometh, then come a shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Shame is, shame is the opposite of pride. 
But when pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. And now this man, oh, I'm sure people had never seen his naked, exposed body. We're, we're now horrified to see this man living and acting like an animal with no clothes and just clawing and scratching in the field. The Bible says in Proverbs 13 and verse 13, Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. And also in Proverbs 18 and verse 2, I should have stayed there, Proverbs 18 and verse 2 it says, A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. Verse 12 says, Before destruction the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Before destruction the heart of man is haughty. This beast life that he was now living. And I'll tell you, there are times when I get very scared And I get very scared when I start hearing myself sounding like Nebuchadnezzar. Boy, look at me. I'm telling you. And I don't even have anything. I don't own a Babylon. I I mean, I got Mr. Spear to remind me I shouldn't be proud. And I just, but in spite of all that, I still, man, I'm telling you. And the Holy Spirit says, are you listening to what you're thinking and saying? Do you hear that? God says, I can't work with that. There's only one God in this business. It's me. I can't work with that. You can't, you can't do that. You know, we, we tend to look around at others and we, we tend to be kind of like the psalmist was in Psalm 73. If you'll turn there, I'm going to read it to you quickly and show you what happens sometimes. We, we start to look at others. And we see what God isn't punishing them for. And we see what they seem to be getting away with and blessed with. And somehow we think we've got to have that. Psalm 73 and verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, even as, to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps and had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And, and, and unfortunately, because the foolish and the wicked run all, most all the cameras, we only see them usually. We only see what the wicked and the foolish are doing and how they're blessing themselves. It says in verse 4, For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm, and they are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. They're so proud, it's pathetic. I was out here with somebody earlier this week. We were doing something over in the new garage and looked out the window, and there was a pretty nice-looking airplane out there. Worth more than maybe my house. I'm not sure. And they said, hey, look, it's they're firing it up. Hey, it's gone. I mean, it was like, Fired up and zoom, it was out of here. It's like, wow, I bet you they're now they're halfway across the state. You know, I, I don't own a jet. Maybe somebody in here does. 
I don't mind riding in it once in a while if you do. Their pride comes to them about as a chain. My, my friend Louie, Louie Almanza, years ago, worked at a country club outside of Chicago. And a very famous celebrity was golfing. And Louie went up to that man who was golfing and said, Sir, I'd like to give you something to read. It's about Jesus. And that celebrity looked at Louie and said, Son, when you've given a million dollars to charity, you can talk to me about Jesus. Pride compasses them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in, in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocency. For all day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know these, this, it was too painful for me. You know, you look at people like that and you look at someone like Nebuchadnezzar and you think to yourself, man, wish I could be them. Here's what I do know. If you're wealthy and powerful, it's real hard to get the grace of God. See, James 4 says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And I know some of us in here, we think, Oh, I just if I just could have that kind of wealth, I wouldn't be as dumb as they are with it. I'd be, are you sure? <laughs> Listen, that's not what we need. What you really need is the grace of God. And that's to the humble. Now, you could have a lot in the bank and still be humble, but it's rare. But God says he resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. This man, Asaph, who was writing this, says, when I thought about all this, it just seemed so hard. It was too painful to, to see these people seem to have everything. And, no. and then verse 17, he says, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. It was until I got my focus back on the Lord. And by the way, church is a good place to go. And then I remembered Verse 18, surely thou didst send them, set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream, when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. And then notice what he said. I was as a beast before thee. I was thinking like a beast. I was thinking just like my dog thinks at home. My dog could care less who feeds her as long as she gets it. My dog, my dog has no, I mean, if you leave the barrel off of the dog food, yeah, you're going to come home to a sick dog. My, my dog doesn't really care so much about how it's done or whether or not it was fair or equal or honest as long as she gets taken care of that's what a beast is and God I think was allowing King Nebuchadnezzar to live like a beast 
because the beast life is just eating and drinking, marrying, giving, and marrying, as it says in Genesis 6, as the rich man who was building bigger barns, let us eat, drink, and be merry without any acknowledgement of God. It's just the here and now. Let's take care of me, me, me. And that was Nebuchadnezzar's life. And God said, you might as well live like a beast. That's how you think. And so we see Nebuchadnezzar's destruction. Now, back there in Daniel chapter 4, we also see something else. And this is the part I love. I, I, I paint the picture of Nebuchadnezzar as a proud man, and I hope we understand that if it had been us, we probably would have been worse. But in Nebuchadnezzar, excuse me, in Daniel chapter 4 and verse number 34, we see God's mercy. And thankfully, because of God's mercy and grace, we see what I believe was the true salvation of Nebuchadnezzar. Where he not just acknowledged God of Daniel was a good God, but he now recognized that he was his God. As it says in verse 34, and at the end of the days, those seven times, I think it was probably seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes into heaven. It's a good move. And mine understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High. I want to point out, first of all, the mercy of God, and you see it in verse 15 and verse 26. It said both times, Leave the stump. Chop down the tree. And the kingdom was never the same. Eventually, the Medes and Persians plugged up the Euphrates River and crawled through in the dry bed up into the city, and that's how they conquered the city. And his son, Belshazzar, was the one who saw the handwriting on the wall the night before it had happened. And you see all this taking place, but even though the tree was cut down and Nebuchadnezzar, I don't think, was ever able to have what he had at that one time physically and materially, he learned the most important lesson of all, and that is who his God is. And I think he got saved and was a different man. And that's because God in his mercy said, leave the stump. When I was a teenager, my grandmother had a tree in her yard that she did not like. It was out of control. She lived in Washington State. In Washington State, you, you get rid of trees like you do grass. Out here, you don't kill a tree because you might never see one again. But the, she had this tree in her yard that she... So I went out there and we cut it down. But we just cut it down, you know, close to the level of the ground. But next year we came to visit. She said it's growing again. Sure enough. So I went, I went to her garage and I found all the old paint and all the old gasoline and all the old turpentine and varnish and everything I could find that looked powerful and potent. I went out there and I dumped it all over that thing. It was a mess. I think just because I was her grandson, she didn't chew me out for it, but it, was, it looked horrible. I was trying to kill that thing. Came back the next year, it was growing again. You know why? We never got rid of the stump. I'm so thankful that even though we get chopped down in life and even though Satan does his best to pour all the junk he can find on us, 
God in his mercy leaves us dumb. Because there's always chance. See, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It doesn't do God any, any jollies to just squish Nebuchadnezzar. God didn't want to destroy Nebuchadnezzar. He just wanted to destroy his pride. Leave the stump. Psalm 119, verse 130 says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. And Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 and following says, That Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he said, Woe is me, for I am undone. And what happened is, is that King Nebuchadnezzar, walking on a 300-foot-tall wall, looking around at his kingdom and saying, Look at me. And God said, Look at me. And when Nebuchadnezzar finally looked up to heaven, lifted his eyes to heaven, he said, woe is me, for I am undone. I am not who I think I am. We must see our guilt in our God. And so in verse 34, again, I read, I lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him that liveth forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, mine honor and brightness returned to me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me for temporary. But then notice the last verse. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, capital K. I praise and honor the true king. All whose works are truth and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. At the end, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know how you got saved? You got humble. You realized you were a sinner on your way to hell instead of heaven. That's humbling. I think about my friend Larry. He's sitting in here right now and I talk about him a lot. I was told, I laugh every time I think about it, I was told that Larry was all-star basketball. Shadron State College. If you go into Shadron State College, you walk, you can find pictures of him and what he used to do and accomplish in the world of sports. When I met Larry, I never got that impression. Because when I met Larry, he was in his 70s. His belt was about as long as his pant length. He'd had cancer. He had all kinds of health issues. Teeth that comes out periodically. Hair gone. He and I relate to that. I didn't meet 
an all-star, all-state, do-it-yourself guy. But what I did meet was a humble couple who when we said, let's bow our heads and close our eyes, would there be anyone that would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ? Maybe you need to talk to the Lord today. And I closed my eyes, I prayed, and when I looked up, there were these two 70-year-olds on their knees right here. I just barely knew them. I, I said, hey, why don't we go in to my office and talk? And they said, yes, why are you here? We want to know how to get saved. Now, Larry, I know there are days you wish you could still do a layup. And you wish you didn't have to glue the teeth in. But I'm going to tell you right now, God was gracious. Because if you're proud and you're in perfect health and you've got everything just your way, you don't need God. Do you understand that? You don't think you need him. And when you see people like in Psalm 73 who seem to have everything just right, you just remember something. They don't have it right. They're on their way to destruction. But God in his mercy chopped you down. God in his grace humbles us because we're not good at humbling ourselves. And God is so wonderful to me that he doesn't let me have a Babylon. I hope you appreciate how good God's unkind things are to you. I hope you learn to thank him for his acts. Lord, thank you for the acts that chopped me down. Let's bow our heads and pray. Our heads bowed. Would there be someone that, Pastor, I don't know if I died today, I'd go to heaven. But I know there's something in my heart saying you need to be humble enough to receive the gift of salvation. Would there be someone?